It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who has been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. This is the time and this is the place. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I am so glad you could join me for this hour. I'm your host, Ken Chester. As always, I have plenty to share with you in this information-packed hour of discovery, so let's get to it. In a few minutes, I want to introduce you to an electric school bus that is set to debut in 2019, <laughs> but you really knew this was coming. Also, during breaking news, Nissan has introduced an interesting autonomous electric SUV concept. Now, during the second segment... I'm going to continue this conversation, but it's going about electricity as it pertains to roads and paint. You're not going to want to miss that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. Later in the program, it's all about Tesla, the good, the bad, and yeah, the ugly. I got you covered. Now, we here at Roadworthy Drive are all about being safe while the program is underway and at speed. The gentleman with his eye on the speedometer and the hands on the controls is my good friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack DeLeon. Hey there, Jack. Hi, Ken. How are you? Good. You said you were born ready, sir. Yes, I did. That's uh, a good thing, because I'd hate for you to be unready. Okay. Now, full disclosure, mm -hmm. to put myself through college, uh -huh. all those many years ago, yep. it's almost been 30, but we're not going to tell anybody. Okay. Um, Your secret's safe with me. I used to drive a school bus. Really? Perfect job for a college kid. Mm-hmm. Dealing with somebody else's, do I dare say it? Chil children, uh, children, yes. Children. However, that's, that's the word I was looking for. However, children. I will tell you something. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it was the parents you had to worry about and oh my. the kids. Okay. But anyway, I used to drive a school bus. So mm -hmm. this first story we're going to talk about really interests me. An electric school bus by 2019. Give, uh, me, the, give me the detail before I go off on An electric school this. bus. It's basically um, from Daimler's uh, Thomas-built buses subsidiary. It's based on a safety liner chassis. Yep. And uh, they're going to build it um, with a battery pack uh, ranging anywhere from 60 kilowatt hours to you could add more all the way up to 160. Now, let's see. Let me read this here. Um, they are actually let me get let me get the details so I can tell it to you right. Uh, they need they nicknamed it Jolly. That's spelled J-O-U-L-E-Y named after the Jewel Unit of Energy. It's a safety liner C2 electric bus. Okay. Um, they think it would take eight hours average charge time. Vehicle performance is on par with a conventional bus. And it has an up to 100-mile operating range with option for longer range with additional battery packs. Now, here's the thing. This is not a hybrid. This is straight electric. This is what we call a pure electric. Okay, down. Knowing school buses like I did, and I, full disclosure, I did buy several Thomases in the time that I ran the bus program. Oh, my. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, where are they storing the batteries? They didn't get into that, but I would have to think under the floor. That would probably be my guess. I mean, considering the number of batteries you need for the weight of the vehicle, you're not going to put them in the engine. You don't have the room. Well, you, you stack them under the floor. Now, the one thing they did say, specialized battery packaging for increased safety. Translation, hit-proof. Yeah. Leak-proof. Yep. It would have to be both. Uh, zero emissions. 
Top speed, 65 miles an hour. It would scare me to see a school bus going that fast. Uh, you see it all the time. Yeah. Like I said, it scares me, though. Uh, now, interstate is one thing. Um, that's the place where I would see that okay. on the interstate. Okay, two lane. Yeah, okay. Two lane, something completely different. Um, no transmission, so no need to shift. And here you go, Jack. Here's your performance number. Zero to 60. How long? 26,000 pounds for the bus boy loaded. Um, I'm going to say five seconds. <laughs> no. 45. 13 tons, even with electric, it takes a little bit to move it. Okay. You know. Um, like we said earlier, full charge in less than eight hours with standard chargers. And then they add in some goodies. Telemat telemetric system provides real-time fleet tracking, management, and vehicle diagnostics with over-the-air software updates. As somebody once said here on this show, what could possibly go wrong? That would have been me. Yeah. Um, now, their whole point, reduced cost of fuel, electricity is, excuse me, the lowest and most staple operating cost of any fuel. Simpler design, which we've talked about in this show, uh, a, an electric power plant, fewer moving parts, fewer parts total. No fluids, no belts, none of that foolishness. So you you lower your maintenance costs. You lower it considerably. Yeah, because theoretically, there's no maintenance, really. So you got that going on. Now, some of the more interesting things that they talked about about this thing. Integrated exportable power enables the transfer of stored energy on board the bus for use in vehicle-to-grid operations, meaning the bus can feed the grid. Which means the school district is going to get some money back. Very well could, particularly in smaller school districts. Here's an opportunity, at, at the very least, to lower your costs and, at the most, to make a little money. Well, and that's, <clears> the, <throat> and that's the one thing that, I guess, with your 100-mile uh, limit on it, most of, the, most of the country's school buses are going more than 100 miles a day or even a shift. Really? For their yep. routes? Yep. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And, okay. so, and, and some of the cities are going, are going that way, too. Well, here's the thing. Uh, they, they mentioned it, and they didn't say if the 100 miles was with the original battery pack or with the extended battery pack. Okay. So theoretically, I have to say the way this was written, that was with the 65-kilowatt-hour battery pack. But so, you can go all the way up to 160. So I would think that you could probably get higher mileage. Well, so there's that. I about to say you're going to have to. Yeah. But here's the thing. Um, like like they said, should operators need more range, they can add another battery pack. So there you go. But here's another cool thing. It's equipped with both 120-volt and USB charging ports for laptops and cell phones, an obvious must for students nowadays. Boy, that takes the excuse away. Mom, my cell phone died on the way home from school. <laughs> I couldn't call you. <laughs> yeah. I hope Busted. my girls are listening. Busted. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just waiting for the, the one where the kid walks into the bus and it automatically starts charging. Yeah, well, that may come someday too. They're talking that the company implied that it might one day serve as a Tesla Powerwall type device that could say backup power for a school or even a neighborhood. So they're they're expecting to do this and they're gonna do it, and that should be one really interesting thing. Let's talk about Nissan for a minute. I'm gonna go to something of a different color. They're showing the IMX, that's capital I, capital M, small x, an all-electric crossover concept that promises enough range for a road trip. That's 373 miles of range, 429 horsepower, and, and fully autonomous. And, oh, fully electric. 
Okay. That, yeah. That is a nice looking ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, they said that it uses a future generation version of Nissan's ProPilot, which, by the way, is available in the 2018 Leaf, for a mix of human and machine driving. The drive mode lets the driver seamlessly switch from the ProPilot autonomous mode to manual driving. When the car takes over under ProPilot, the steering wheel retracts into the dash and the seats recline to create a roomier, comfier cabin. Uh, we've actually seen this in a commercial already. What? Oh, they actually have it in a commercial? Cisco showed a commercial a number of years ago. Guy driving, he said a word, and the steering wheel folded right in the dash. Uh, technology what? people. Oh, by the way, can somebody, uh, not somebody, Ken, would you please show me the picture of this thing? I'll have to do that. What, because, of the current one? Yeah. Okay, hold on. I got it right here. It's yeah. right there. This thing. There you go. Yeah, you're right. It is a nice Isn't looking car. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It's a nice looking but car. Here's, but here's the thing. Nissan being one. Now, let me. I got ahead of myself. Let me back up. The IMX can drop the driver off in pro pilot mode and proceed to a charging station, managing the charging process to top off the battery and pump back into the grid as demands fluctuate uh, autonomously. Somebody. So it man, it goes through traffic, mm-hmm. goes to its own charging station. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're saying charging station. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the charging station would also have to be autonomous because yep. right now yep. the, you actually have to yep. plug it in. Yep. Okay. And depending, either takes power or provides power. And we talked about this here too overseas, a uh, pilot program with Nissan vehicles that were actually providing power back into the grid and their, their owners were making money. Right. We actually talked about right. that talked another about that a little while ago. Yeah, that was a pilot project. So this stuff is happening, people, for real. Now, the IMX is designed to create a more open, seamless connection between interior and exterior, wide B-pillar-free openings at the sides, and a generous glass house and transparent roof. My problem is without a B-pillar, you've got, you've got a risk of side impact accident. Right. And, and right now, at federal safety standards, would not pass. So food for thought on that. Um, when we come back next... We're going to talk electric roads and electric paint. What, what? Yeah, electric paint. Like I said, I got questions about the electric paint. We'll talk about that later. Tesla's production hell and autonomous vehicle updates. You are listening to Roadworthy Drive. have a question, idea, or comment for Ken? You can let him know by calling 872-888-9793. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave Ken a voicemail message or a text. car for people who think. If you're just tuning in, welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Now, for this segment, I thought I'd wander off, just off the beaten path, a little bit into the weeds, not much, 
to share some novel tech that's going to impact your life in the next 10 years or so. Just as electricity first changed the world in so many ways, and still is, these next two items promise to take things to the next level. Now, the argument is, with the first one, is that trucks, obviously, are bigger polluters than cars. I don't think anybody here would, would argue with that, right? There's I would argue, but we would be wrong. Um, and this train of thought, the way they're going, is they believe that electric batteries are not the answer because of their weight. Okay, we've talked about that before because of the, the semi-trucks, and that's all about weight and what they can pull. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk about this, and then I'm going to wander back. I'm going to round back because I need to make a point. Okay. But in this case, they're saying, don't electrify the trucks. Electrify the roads. It's called an e-highway, and its creator at Siemens, uh, the Electrification, Automation, and Digitization Multinational, I think that's how you pronounce that, tell this particular news outlet that it can considerably lessen highway emissions. Now, here's my, here's my issue. Got two issues with that before I even go any further. One, they're not talking about electrifying the road itself per se. Okay. They're talking about using a variation of technology that was common in America 100 years ago. Okay, what are we talking about? Electrified streetcar. You had the Cantonary and the Pantograph. And right, you had the wires. To get the wires. That's what they're talking about. Okay. Now, the, my problem is their one mile that they did near Long Beach. How much did it cost? $13.5 million. That's not going to work. You think? Here's my other problem. That's not the only way to go. Right now, at Long Beach right now, Toyota is fooling with hydrogen. They're testing it. They've got a val they've got a vehicle in service, has been for months, down there running around, uh, powered on hydrogen. Are you talking about the one that pulls the Yeah the drayage. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Siemens, yeah, that's nice, but yeah, I got a problem. What is old is new again, is what they're talking about. And they even say it. The road setup would be familiar to anyone who's seen a trolley or streetcar trundle through a city. Specially designed by trucks running underneath electric lines, each equipped with an instrument called a pantograph. Again, that's what the streetcars had. Uh, that makes connections to the lines and draws power to propel the vehicle. Right now, they're evaluating three trucks. A battery electric, natural gas, an electric hybrid, and a diesel hybrid. And that one-mile road cost $13.5 to build. Here's my issue. They think if they could uh, apply this to some... And their number, 164,000 miles of uh, highway in the United States. Uh, I'll do the math for you, Jack. They figured it lower it to $5 million a mile. That's still $80 billion. That's a lot of money. You think? Um, one, that's not happening. Two, that's who's going to pay for that? The American taxpayer? I don't think we should. Because that benefits truck companies. If you're going to do that, then you need to subsidize the railroads. The railroads have built theirs out of pocket with no government help. Exactly. But as soon as you do that, then it's going to ultimately come back to us, the consumer. It always does. You know, now their argument is that this would alleviate the rail traffic overburden. Um, I'm a rail fan. Railroads ain't that overburdened. I was going to say, how in the world can the railroads be overburdened? They're, they're pro well, without getting into the weeds, the railroad's problem is not real estate. 
It's traffic management. And it depends on the railroad, you know, and they're working through it. That's just better management, not necessarily more lines. Um, But that's their plan. Um, To get into the other thing, and and I've got issues with that, I just – it sounds like a company – Looking for a solu- looking for financing for their solution, which Correct. I don't think is the most profitable one. Um, it's electrifying paint that becomes conductive when it dries. Can you imagine a paint that if you paint a wall mm-hmm. connected to an electric source, you come in, touch the wall, turns on the light? Yeah, this stuff is being made right now. Electric paint or paintable wire, which can be applied to paper, wood, cement, textiles. And amongst other materials, um, my thing and the reason why I brought this up, uh, road somebody, if you could paint a road and this paint is so thin and mix it with graphene, we're going to talk about graphene in a second here, uh, and you can connect it. It's so thin and transparent, you can literally put it down and wear forever. And yet, it, with just the same way you sit in a car now and you've got conductive, uh, how you charge your cell phones without plugging them in, mm-hmm. imagine if you could do that. For vehicles, trucks even. Well, that would make more sense to me. And way cheaper. Way cheaper. And the best part about this stuff is mixed with graphene, it's both, it seals, it protects, and the paint itself will last 100 years. Wow. Even with that kind of wear on the road, on, on a road. 100 years. Wow. Yeah. You know, now... It's phenomenal. It's going on in Great Britain right now. But the fact that you have this paint that could literally give you free electricity. Can you imagine painting your house with it where you could uh, absorb solar energy and other types of energy and turn it into electricity that will power your house? Mm Mm-hmm. With no solar panels needed. Figure that one out. Well, that would be nice. And it, it would allow your house to breathe but yet keep it protected. So the stuff that needs to stay out stays out, but you don't choke to death because you've got an air height house that doesn't breathe. Well, and that's one of the biggest problems in construction right now is that they're making the houses so tight they can't breathe. Exactly. So, and again, the reason why I bring this up is that it literally lends itself to an answer for the problem is, okay, we're looking for extended range, particularly with trucks. Mm-hmm. You paint maybe five miles, 10 miles, whatever it is, you know, in a special thing or even a special lane if you had to. The trucks run down it and, and you know, conductively get charged as they roll. They never have to stop. And if you do it every, I don't know, 100 miles, 150 miles, it couldn't cost that much. Because, like I said, they're selling this as household paint right now in, in England. This is happening now. Oh, this is over in England. Yeah, this paint it does it does exist right now and they have not brought it over here yet they haven't and more importantly nobody's adapted it for roads yet and i think that is just just a solution begging for somebody to investigate that would make the most sense though yeah now that's not to say that somebody hasn't it's right. just right now nobody's reporting it but i'm telling you it'd be almost one thing i'd want to bring up to somebody say hey here's a way to do something All right, coming up, all things Tesla, Model 3 production hell and autonomous vehicle upgrades, and later, more things Tesla, an an electric semi and a brand new Roadster. Now, don't touch that dial. This is Roadworthy Drive. You're 
listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Welcome to segment three of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm glad you could drop by. I'm Ken Chester, your host. For those of you who want or need more than your share of the road, be sure to visit our website. That's www.roadworthydrive.com for all you need or want to know about Roadworthy Drive. We have audio clips of prior shows, video clips of our behind-the-scenes antics and conversations as we produce the show each week and more. The website's also a great place to find out what we've been up to across the landscape of social media. Sasha is our media maven, and she keeps things entertaining, light, and lively. Find out how she keeps the social in our social media. Now, Tesla. Yeah, it's time. A lot going on, and uh, we're going to start with the bad. We're going to end with the good in these next couple of segments. Okay, what? we're going to start with bad news, right? We are. I've been critical of the company with respect to their ability to meet their aggressive production schedule. I've been in assembly plants of several of the traditional automakers, and there's a process, and that process exists for good reason. The folks at Tesla chose to bypass some of these pre-production methods at their own peril, and may I quote, sleepless nights, broken robots, and mounting pressure. Uh, Elon Musk himself gives a rare glimpse inside, and I quote, Tesla's production hell. Yes, ma'am. Here's the thing. Every production line in automotive industry and really in any factory, you have a pilot line. And that is with all these parts. And they say in a Model 3, there's 10,000 parts. You may have two or 3,000 different suppliers. What you do is you have what they call a pilot line. You have a pre-production line where you low speed, put stuff together to see one validation of your equipment. Is everything calibrated the way it needs to be? If not, what's the problem? Does everything go together the way we designed it? You may find in the actual assembly there's some things you didn't think about and go, whoops, they need to be changed. And finally, you know, to find out if at at the end it it does the vehicle you get at the end, the vehicle you specified. Mm -hmm. And they do that. And even the domestics and, and the foreign have problems sometimes. It's called body and white. Thank you. I was about to ask you that yep. question. And, you know, Tesla said, oh, you know, we're going to skip that process. Yeah. That's why he likens the Model 3 production. And bear in mind, people, he said that the Model 3 was easier to build than the Model S yep. and the Model X. Yes, he did. The Model X had problems. And a Model S, you know, and that's supposedly more complicated than this car. And they're having all kinds of problems. In Dante's Inferno... <laughs> Part of the 14th century epic poem, hell is portrayed as nine concentric circles of torment, mm-hmm. each with its known nightmarish form of suffering. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk says, let's say that level nine's the worst. We're in level nine now. And now we're in level eight. And I think that we're closer to exiting level eight now. Here's the problem. The particularities of the company's challenge, many of them engineering problems involving robots and battery packs at the sprawling gigafactory in Nevada may may have been unseen, but the arduous journey in the metaphysical underworld certainly wasn't. He knew it was going to be rough. 
It always is. But let me tell you about automobile manufacturing because I've seen a lot of it. You know, a lot of that could have been minimized at their gigafactory in Fremont with Buddy and White. You ramp up slowly. You eliminate the problems as you get them. You usually have your suppliers there, particularly with your equipment. Your suppliers and their engineers are on site in real time right? dealing with this stuff. You're not trying to basically troubleshoot it yourself. Or make a phone call. No, they're there. There's no phone call. They're there. And Buddy and White, they're well, there. I understand that, but Elon Musk decided not to do that. So is he making phone calls back to, if he's got a problem with the robots, the robot supplier? I'm not seeing that. But okay. let me give you an example. In the third quarter, they were expected to build 1,500 Model 3s. How many do you think they built? Ten. No. 260. Oh. Yeah, they're a little short. And I can tell you where the where the main bottleneck is. Where is it? The body shop. Every mich- every production line, any production engineer knows your throughput or the amount that you can make and run through that line is only as many as your choke point can take. And the choke point is the body shop. Is the body shop. Well, didn't you report like a couple of weeks ago that they were doing it by hand? At that time they were. Why? Because they didn't get their automated equipment until late. And it takes to get it set up, calibrated, run jobs through it, calibrated again, and actually get some time on it. That takes a few months. There's, and there's no shortcutting. The problem is Elon Musk's line is highly automated. That's the blessing. That's the curse. And if your equipment ain't communicating. GM had a problem like that when they opened their plant, their Hamtramck plant in Detroit in 1985 in their paint shop. Their paint robots wouldn't talk to each other, and it was a mess. It was just a nightmare. And this is a company that's built millions of vehicles. (coughs) This guy is trying to go from boutique manufacturer to volume manufacturer. And these are some of the problems. And there really isn't any room for error here. Exactly. But people are sticking with them, and that's kind of crazy. Continuing on, oh, the Chevy Bolt with a B that... Against the 425,000 orders that Elon Musk had right. for the Model 3. Yeah. And there were no pre-orders for the Bolt. Yeah. Uh, it, last month, in October, 145 Model 3s were sold. 2,781 Chevy Bolts were sold. Because GM has their stuff together. Yes, sir. They do. And, oh, may I add that those Bolts made in that plant, I know where that plant is, all of them are equipped to be fully autonomous. Okay. So, Let that sink in. So GM is moving ahead with their auton- autonomous stuff. Well, the, mo- the Bolt was designed to be autonomous. Okay. The problem is GM's got the basics down. So all they had to do was add the technology. Okay. Elon Musk is trying to cover all of it, including the basics and the technology. Right. And he's having a problem. And that's the thing. We've been critical here at Roadworthy Drive for some time about this. So no no big deal. Um, Late-breaking news here. Remember, we talked about a year ago, Elon Musk announced that all cars built uh, after October 2016 had the ability to be fully autonomous. Right. Um, the company announced its new vehicles had all the hardware. But there's to achieve full autonomy with the current software, uh, there, the question is regulatory. If the regulators have a different definition than what Tesla's got programmed, 
then they will allow, they will upgrade them. So okay. they have the ability to put the upgrade out. But here's the, here's the way it goes, and this is really interesting. For a company that prides itself with over-the-air updates, and I quote, we will replace the computer. It's just a matter of unplug the old computer and plug the new one in. It will be a hands-on replacement. So you're going to have to go to a dealer or somebody to get this done. Yeah, no over-the-air update, even though, and their whole thing is, what we assumed at the time, as opposed to what the regulators may assume now, may be different. And if it is, we'll program for it. Oh, well. Um, when we come back for the fourth and final segment of Roadworthy Drive, Tesla introduces its electric semi-truck and surprises with an all-new Roadster for 2020 to boot. This is Roadworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive. This is the last segment for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Thank you so much for listening. We're in the midst of a conversation about all things Tesla. While the upstart automaker has and is having its share of problems ramping up production, it's all-new affordable sedan. It hasn't stopped Elon Musk from wowing the public with some new groundbreaking hardware. And we're going to talk about that in this last segment. Now, you've probably, unless you've lived under a rock for the last few weeks... You've probably heard some commotion about a Tesla semi-truck. And just so, a little reality check. Yes, you heard it. Yes, it's true. Elon Musk showed the public a all-electric Tesla 18-wheeler. I saw the video on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And went... What in the world is this? And then he gets out of the truck, mm -hmm. and the truck door is literally backwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he just, like, he steps out like of, of the old uh, Chevy step bands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he gets out there and he starts talking about, oh, how great this is going to be and how much we're going to improve the environment. Okay. Let's break this down. He's bragging of this thing. 500 miles per charge. Zero to 60. This is for an 18-wheeler now, which scares the daylights out of me in five seconds. Woo! Yeah, no. Woo! I don't need no I don't need no eighteen wheeler rolling like now, that. Now, is he saying Woo! that's not with a trailer on it or with a trailer loaded? Okay, thank you. That was gonna be my uh regardless, it gives me the woolies. Yeah, I mean I there are supercharged, you know, semi semis give the brother the willies. I'm just saying. Yeah, I couldn't imagine a full, like what you were going with that, Jack. I couldn't imagine a fully loaded. I'm sorry, 40,000 pounds back in the trailer. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have that semi-trailer off of this, off, out of the yeah. uh, mm -hmm. out of the fifth wheel. Well, not only that, but I mean, when you're actually driving one of those and, you know, you're going. The load up, may but, shift. Yeah, I mean, you. <laughs> you think? Just a bit. <sighs> but here's the thing. Um, the thing about electric motors is you have all of its torque from zero, unlike a gasoline engine or even a diesel engine where you have to accelerate mm -hmm. and get engine speed up to get the power. Right. So there's some advantages to that. 
And what most people don't realize, and I've said it over and over because I was kind of a train buff first, uh, your average railroad locomotive today is a hybrid, is a diesel-electric hybrid, that what pulls the weight is not a diesel engine. It's a, it's a series of two or three traction motors. Right. But again, those things do not go from zero to 60 in a nanosecond. Uh, yeah, but they're also pulling thousands of tons, not, not, not 10 or 20 tons, usually 1,500 3,500, 4,500 tons, and usually a line of cars that may last a mile long. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole set of protocol about brakes and all of that before they can even move the thing. But right. I won't even get into that. But here's the thing. Now, he said, um, and he, now he didn't mention the payload because that's something that I looked at and I wondered about. A fully loaded, and I don't know what that means. Okay, so okay. he didn't put on like a weight. weight. Okay, he said fully loaded. All right. To me, with the people I know that drive truck, right, you're probably looking between twenty and forty tons. Okay. Okay, but I don't know what he meant. Okay. Moving sixty miles an hour. All right. Can travel five hundred miles on a single battery charge. Now he argues that the vast majority of truck routes are less than two hundred fifty miles. But here's something really cool: the truck includes four independent motors. It has no gears or transmission, meaning it will require much less maintenance. Yeah. Again, I have friends of mine that drive truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they tell horror stories about yes, truck transmissions. Yeah. We're not even going to get into that. Just crazy stuff. Yep. He guaranteed. Now, he even went this far. He guaranteed that the truck would not break down for a million miles. Now, to the average listener, that sounds big deal. Yeah, but not. It's not. The no. it, well, in the way, really, it's twice as long. As a diesel engine, you don't do an in-truck overhaul until you have half a million miles. Okay. So if you can get a million miles without any kind of major maintenance, right there, even fuel aside, maintenance aside, all that aside, that is major. Because if the truck ain't down, the truck is earning or has the ability to earn. Correct. And that's the kicker. Now, he also said trucks could reach up to 65 miles an hour, up a 5% grade, compared to 45 miles an hour with a diesel engine truck. Again, I've just come across the country, yeah, took on some of those fully loaded trucks climbing rather nasty grades. Yep. Yeah. So if you can do six, again, time. If you can get an extra 20 miles per hour in a hilly situation, that's money. Okay. And this just dawned on me. When we're talking about the autonomous future, right, Mm -hmm. and we're talking about Cars, pedestrian cars, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. driving themselves. Mm-hmm. The one slowpoke on the road would be the semi tractor trailer mm-hmm. with his if, if it actually does do what he's claiming it could do. Now it's not going to be so much of an endangerment when you come across the semi because now there's. Well, I'm going to give you one more, and we've talked about this before, excuse me, about autonomous semis running in platoon at night at high speed, where literally parts of the interstate might even be unavailable. Right, because that's all that's moving. Yeah, but yeah. if you're running that way, then you're probably like less than a half a car length or half of less of a truck cab because you're running platooning and you're running all autonomous. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's more coming to that, Okay, that it becomes a non-issue. Right. Um, but here's the thing. Elon ain't, the, ain't alone. Um the list of startups and trucking heavyweights testing electric truck programs include Siemens, Nikola One, Toyota, uh, Changi, we talked about them before, Volvo, Scandia, UPS, U, uh, FedEx, yep. Cummins, Daimler, and TransPower. Okay? In fact, FedEx even has some sort of electric truck they're evaluating 
right now in their fleet. Yeah. I remember so, I was talking about that one. Yes, sir. Let me throw this at, and then Toyota's thing uh, with the hydrogen truck. Now, Neola One, we talked about them a long time ago. Right. They are promising 1,200 miles of range from its hydrogen fuel tank, hydrogen-powered fuel cell in their 18-wheelers. That's going to be really tough to beat when Elon's only talking 500 miles. That's true. And we don't know under what conditions and what he's defining as a fully loaded truck. Okay, but can I put a plug in here? You need to have 1,200 miles to get to the next charging station. Yeah, but (laughs) but here's the thing. Easily built in truck in truck uh, centers. If you're a trucking company, that's the easy part. That's not hard. Okay. So that's the thing. Changing gears, literally. Mm. Um, he also showed us a very pretty concept Ooh, for a yes roadster. Now yes that roadster uh, launched the company back mm-hmm. in the day. Yes, that's it did. what they did. Yep. Uh, he's showing one uh, that should have a range. Um, he said he could do it. Travel back. From San Francisco, Los Angeles, on a single charge, and go to zero to sixty in under two seconds. Okay, so you've made that trip. What what kind of mileage is that there, Ken? Uh, a lot of mileage. <laughs> okay, I'll leave it at that. As usual, we've come to the end of another hour with more to share than I have time. Be sure to tune in next time when we'll have the latest on what is going on in and around the auto industry, and importantly, what you need to know. You've been listening to Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.